right, Rooted fans, welcome back to another episode. Today we have some special guests from Woodlawn Chapel, Owen and Jess from Project Bible Runners. Say hello to Owen and Jess. Hello, everyone. Hey. Woo. We're excited to have them on. We got to meet them actually when they came and picked up all the Bibles uh, that we had donated and well other Christian literature. And so they just got to hang out at the church for a little bit. And I didn't realize that they were part of uh, basically our family, but Woodlawn's uh, direct family. We are like extended cousins. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> so uh, we'll let them introduce themselves and just explain a little bit more about their lives. So tell us uh, your names. I mean, we already gave that, but like your family <laughs> and then just, you know, maybe like a little fun fact about you. All right. Well, we are Owen and Jess Schweitzer. We live in central Illinois and we have five curious kiddos. Um, we call them free range kids. Um <laughs> They range from ages 11 to 10 months, and they are Reed, Cora, Nona, Isla, and Ezra. Yep. Um, Four girls and one boy. The boy's <laughs> the oldest, and he has been praying for a brother ever since. <laughs> so are you going to grant that wish, hopefully? Or are you done at uh, five? If the Lord decides to bless our family non-biologically with a boy, <laughs> I'm good. But otherwise, I think five from me out of my <laughs> womb isn't. Yeah, she had the thing was four no more, and then I got my way with fifth and final. So, <laughs> yeah, I think we're done at five. <laughs> so, how did you guys meet? Uh, that's a long story, but uh, basically, the, the story I always tell is through a mutual friend. Um, <laughs> so, my wife was up north in Chicago going to a Christian university there, and I had a mutual friend. Uh, that went there as well. So, and then she usually jumps in and tells the other half of the story that uh, I was in a rock band and uh, she used to come down south uh, to us country boys and listen to us play. Oh, yeah. goodness. So. <laughs> who, who had the googly eyes first? So he was. Uh, she absolutely did. I, I mean, I was the uh, drummer. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I actually knew from the very first time I met him that I was going to marry him. I wow. actually told her friend and said um i am going to marry this guy i don't you know i was dating someone else at the time so i was it's kind of weird but uh i knew right away yep it, it so. seems that god seems to speak to the women first and they know for <laughs> yeah. like a long time and then <laughs> the guys come around <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> that's the way with the rest of life too <laughs> oh my gosh. we're always right we're always right <laughs> There we go. Hmm. Awesome. So how did you guys end up at Woodlawn Chapel? Uh, well, all our stories seem to be interesting, but uh, we were dining out with our youngest, and it was kind of a date night, and uh, we just had the baby. And another couple next to us had a baby, so people with babies talk about their babies. And um, one thing led to another, and they were talking about this um, church there in Charleston, new plant, um, and that they taught verse by verse directly from the Bible. Well, that really perked up our ears because um, throughout our ministry uh, in Africa, there is what's called a, a disciple-making movement, and they teach verse by verse. So it was, it was very, you know, very custom for us to learn that way. We just not hadn't seen it in the States. So 
um, desk then. And then I went and I Facebook, Facebook socked uh, the pastor, Brock, and his <laughs> wife, Angela. And I saw that they had six kids. And with our <laughs> five kiddos, I was like, yes, this is a perfect fit. Verse by verse teaching and tons of kids. So that's ended up at Woodlawn. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you, you guys move to Charleston? You guys are in Charleston. We were in Charleston originally. We had a small farm, a vegetable farm, and uh, then we moved to Mississippi, and then we've moved back recently. So uh, we've kind of been all over the world right now. What countries have you been to? I've only been, um, for Bible running, I've only been to Kenya and Uganda. I was planning to go to Tanzania before COVID hit. Um, but I've also been to Spain and Haiti and Mexico and Canada. But just for Bible running, it's it's just been Kenya and Uganda. Mm-hmm. And then I add Rwanda into that. And yeah, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Hopefully. and Tanzania. Sorry. It's hard to keep track of. There's so many countries um, that Project Bible Runners is in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but us physically, those are the countries we've yeah. been to. So let's you you mentioned Project Bible Runners. Let's kind of dive into that a little bit. What was the heart behind uh, starting up Project Bible Runners? All right. So in December of 2018, we were invited by a group of uh, people who were going over to Kenya to kind of do some preaching, teaching, and distributing of Bibles. And we were asked to go and talk about and teach composting because we were um, vegetable farmers. So we went over and we did our compost trainings. Um, But we also distributed Bibles with this group. And when we saw that the need for Bibles was so great and that people really um, were more interested in the Word of God than they were about learning about how to improve their farming skills, even though um, they were starving and these skills could benefit their lives greatly, they would prefer the Word of God over, you know, learning this new skill. And so our lives were completely changed when we saw that need and just how hungry people are for the word of God. And so uh, we got back and we we got back to the States and we decided that something in our life needed to change because our brothers and sisters needed the word of God so badly. Yeah. Once we got back, we both had uh, a calling on our lives that we felt that we needed to be mobile. We didn't know what that meant, but um, with a large farm and all the work, uh, we knew it was definitely um, selling that and seeing what God had in store for us. Once you see the need of Bibles in other countries, it's really hard to ignore, uh, especially when you meet them face to face, that this bread of life is so important to them. And there's people longing all over uh, for this. Mm-hmm. So how did, like, did you just like people come up to you and it's like, hey, do you have Bibles? Or were they just all like sharing one Bible? Or how, how did you actually like practically see that need? Mm-hmm. So um, originally, uh, there was a pastor in the area that made the request known to somebody stateside, and that's how the group got going. Uh, basically, that pastor would coordinate what we now call Bible runs, but in the beginning, it was very fluid. So that pastor would call his congregation together, and the people that needed Bibles um, received Bibles. Um, basically, we'd found 
uh, through our work that it's typically one Bible per 300 Christians. So there will be pastors of large congregations that don't even have a Bible mm-hmm. and will travel to the nearest town, typically on foot, and copy verses out of it for his, his weekly sermons. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got going because of this initial trip that we went with. Then other pastors had heard that Bibles were being freely given. And so then they would contact this pastor and then the pastor um, that we originally were working with would put them in touch with us. And that just continued to grow and to grow and to grow to where right now we have a current uh, request list of 90,000 people waiting for a Bible. Um, And those are people with names. They're not just, you know, this area needs, you know, a hundred Bibles. It is, this is a small home church that needs 20 Bibles and the pastor is Samuel you know, um, so it's it's word gets around. I don't know how everybody tends to hear about us and how we make it from, you know, from a Kenya to India. I don't know how God <laughs> leads that, um, but they hear about us and then that need grows. And yeah, I don't know. Sorry. We're trying to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to do what we can do, really. Yeah. yeah. We, we had no idea that. um it really started grassroots. I mean, it was very organic at the beginning. It was, okay, there's people in Kenya. Now we can't ignore this need. We're going to go back. So we organized another trip and we'd go back and then that would lead to another trip. So, and then people would start coming in alongside of us um, to go with us or to support the ministry uh, monetarily to purchase these Bibles. So Bibles are bought at the beginning. The Bibles were all bought in country. Um, we did carry some with us on the plane, so we can check two bags. Um, those bags are 25 kilos, uh, 25 kilograms each. Um, so you can get about 100 to 120 Bibles on your carry-on bags between two people. So mm-hmm. we would carry those in. We'd buy in country, and we would go to these pastors and these churches and start distributing Bibles. Mm-hmm. So, but now, um, I would say in 2019, the Lord really spoke to Owen especially, and we were going in larger groups, like how we first went in December of 2018. But then the Lord spoke to Owen's heart and said, you know, I have shown you in the Bible, you know, and have taught my disciples how to go out. And um, so we now run two by two per Luke 10. Mm. So we don't carry much with us when we do Bible runs. We just take what we absolutely need in a backpack. And then the rest we fill with Bibles and we stay with people of peace and we eat what they eat and we sleep where they sleep. And so we're able to travel at very minimum low cost. And um, we don't we don't want to attract a lot of attention when we're in country because that's not the mission. Um, so we do that. But we also have another way of running now. Since COVID, we weren't able to go um, as much as we were running before. So now we. So. COVID, and I don't know if we're getting off on tangents here. <laughs> we kind of answered three questions. There. Oh, you're good. Go keep, for it. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're we're used to talking about this, so it kind of flows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. people don't want to hear us talk. <laughs> they hear us enough. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm talking in circles. But. So no, you're good. It, it, originally, yes, we went you know, every month if we could, mm-hmm. uh, as long as God gave us provision. Um, but when COVID hit, it really um, forced us to um, basically trust the Holy Spirit. And uh, that sounds bad to say it, but when you go over there, you have a level of control um, over the Bibles. Um, yes, you want to, you're giving freely, but you want to make sure that you get one per house hold because there's such a huge need. 
when COVID hit, it took all that away. Um, we basically had a network of individuals um, at that time. I think it was close to eight countries. And um, we had to trust them to go on with this mission. So uh, people are still coming alongside of us to support this mission. Bible requests were still coming in by the thousands per week. Um, and we had runners in country that had ran with us before and willing to pick up the work and run with it. And that's when we really seen um, the fruits start to triple and quadruple um, because now we can organize Bible runs through local Bible societies, which is a place we buy Bibles in other countries. And the runners, uh, the local pastors can pick them up and run them to the villages that need them. And that's when we really started seeing it jump across countries. So we'd go from Kenya to Uganda, Tanzania, which are all border countries, down to Rwanda. And then all of a sudden, we would jump over to Liberia um, on the west coast of Africa. Then we'd get a request in Cameroon, even further from there. And now we'd get a request in India, and we'd get a request in Pakistan and jump down to the Philippines. And it just exploded. Jeez. So, so, so when you started, did you ever imagine that you would be reaching this many countries? Absolutely. No, we thought, I'm going to give some Bibles and then, you know, this, that'll be it. But, um, it wasn't it. And it, it was overwhelming at first. Like, how do we, how do we manage this? What do we do? And so that's when we started the non-for-profit, um, just because it continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, we needed a, a mechanisms in place. Um, so basically, it forced you to be more professional about it. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. old is Project Bible Runners? Um, technically, as far as the 501c3 was started, it was started in 2020, of March of 2020. Um, the original start was only just back in December of 2018. So it, it's not even three years old yet wow it's not even three years old and you have ninety thousand requests <laughs> goodness yeah. gracious by name that yeah that is yeah. the work of god <laughs> like, oh, literally, literally the only explanation <laughs> yeah. absolutely i mean the crazy part is is you know by march of 2019 when we were just running grassroots i mean we already had twenty thousand requests and we were trying everything we could um, so that just kept growing and kept growing. And now we've delivered over 24,000 Bibles in these countries Goodness. and the request is still outgrowing. You can see the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of programs, when they give something to an African, um, they want to make a monetary value to it. They want to basically hold, have them hold worth to it. So they'll make them pay something for it. Um, we really wanted to be. Um, free in our giving because God gave freely to us, so we must give freely to others. We ask them to make three promises. So the Bibles are absolutely free um, when we give them, but we ask them to make three promises. And basically it's to read, to obey, and to share. Right. So we ask them to promise to read it every day for the rest of their lives, Mm -hmm. to obey what the New Testament, what Jesus outlines for us there, and then to share it with others. So read it to the elderly, teach it to the youth, um, et cetera, to, to give it more value and to make sure that they're not just keeping the word of God for themselves, but they're actually, you know, going out and doing what it says, what the Bible tells us to.
what were some challenges starting this ministry, maybe just between uh, you as a couple and then maybe as a family and then spiritually? I know that's like three-part question, but uh, what were just some challenges with this in the beginning stages? The first and biggest challenge was is just to make sure we heard um, God clearly. Um, so it was just getting into the Word, um, praying about it, because this was going to be a big change to our life. And at that point, we had four children um, and an active you know, vegetable farm. So it was completely closing down the farm, selling every piece of equipment, selling our home, and uh, just getting ourselves to the situation that we could listen to what God was saying. Um, we got rid of all of our debt. Um, God allowed us to sell everything within the first like six months. And then it was just getting the family adapted to uh, a complete change in life. Oh, so you gave up everything for this, basically. Well, yeah, we we felt like to be able to answer it, you had to give up everything because there was no way we could support, you know, the mortgage and four kids uh, in the the quote unquote American dream um, to and still be able to listen and be this kind of mobile, to be obedient. Mm. Uh, so right now, one of the biggest changes for our family was that both Owen and I worked on the farm and we worked full time for the farm. And you actually had a business also that you worked full time with. Um, and so because we were able to give up everything the Lord has provided, you know, for us financially, Owen only has to work one week a month pretty much to support our family because we do not take any money from Project Bible Runners. We're strictly 100 percent volunteer. Um, and so because we're debt free, because I feel like we were able to give up everything, God blessed us so that we're able to live really, really cheaply and we're able to move around whenever God wants us to, to move around, I guess. Right. So that was a big difference of kind of giving up everything and then like relying on God to provide every month when we don't have the standard nine to five job or anything like that. So, and something um, that I didn't expect that came with that is um, basically learning what your true identity is. Uh, a lot of times we identify ourselves with the things that we do. Um, for instance, you know, I worked for an engineering firm, you know, I was a building inspector, so that's who I was. So if somebody asked me, you know, who you are, that's, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm a building inspector, you know, I'm a father, you know, and I'm a farmer. And basically all that was not taken away. All that was willingly given away for this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but still that identity crisis that comes after it was really the hardest part for me. And, um, I had to learn what my true identity was, you know, being, you know, a, a son of a King. And this is what his kingship is calling me to do. So this is working for the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And for our kids, they've really adapted well. We homeschool our kids, so um, they are flexible in their schedules so that when Owen or I go out of country, you know, the other parent is around and they're kind of used to used to that and we're able to kind of um, have a really flexible lifestyle. Right. So, um, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Yes. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yes. 
Okay, so I, have, I just have a quick question. So you say you guys are mobile, and I'm just imagining like you guys living in like a school bus because uh. <laughs> we do have a group here that they they are super mobile. They they play music and they live in a school bus. But I mean, I, I imagine with five kids, you would need like two school buses at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, did have a camper that we were living in, um, and then um owen's parents asked us to come back when covid hits um unfortunately his dad has um parkinson's and they live on a farm so we built a house on their land and so we can be mobile in that we are debt free and that we have grandma and grandpa right next door and so we can be mobile in that we can go anywhere at the drop of a hat because we don't have the financial responsibility of you know, the typical American dream of houses and cars and, you know, all that stuff that we are tied down to. So originally we thought that we would be living in a camper, going everywhere, running into countries. Um, but then COVID changed that. And so we still feel like we can be mobile when God calls us to be mobile, but we do have a home base now, which is nice. Yeah, I, I bet it's nice to be planted for a little bit there. But also, I mean, it's amazing how God has provided this... Uh, yeah. it, it, <laughs> Just the provi- provision of everything, you know, you're, you're next mm-hmm. to family, you're able to be stationary, you're able to be connected with the church, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just by obedience, and, and it's not even just by your obedience, but just by the grace of God, just He blesses mm-hmm. us every day than we could ever, you know, think or imagine. You know, that's right. pretty pretty right. fascinating. Um, I guess just a interesting question, I don't know, I'm just kind of curious, what do you do job-wise then now? Um, so uh, I grew up as a carpenter, um, so I have that skill set to be able to flex from any job in construction. Uh, and then God has sent me, you know, owners of companies that need work, and when they need it, they'll call me up, and I can work a week, you know, either traveling on the road or um, doing whatever they need. So I've got one um, through um, Scout's Painting, Pat Scout. He's actually a member of Woodlawn too that he owns a painting company. So I'll go paint with him for a week and um, then be back working at project Bible runners. So uh, we're really flexible. Anything that God provides me to do as long as I don't let it become a distraction from the work that he's, he's given me. Mm -hmm. And Jess, what do you do? Well, I spend besides having five children and taking care of their needs, um, <laughs> I would say ninety percent of the administrative stuff for Project Bible Runner. So I do not have a job outside of the home. Um, I used to work within um, probation and in marketing, but um, God called me home several years ago before this started, and but then we were farmers. So I was a farm her. Um, <laughs> nice. Say. Um, nice. So, yeah, right now I'm just a mother, but I do all the administration for Project Bible Runner, right. which is actually a lot. <laughs> yes. So so the role for Project Bible Runners, Jess would be the administrator. Owen, what would you be, um, I guess, title-wise for Project Bible Runners? Well, title-wise, and I hate titles, but yes. uh, since, yeah. since it's a business, um, I have to be the board president. So we okay. do have a board. And, and then my role in it would be basically runner coordinator and I run all the budgets as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm the numbers guy. Uh, I like to look at the monthly budgets. So every month, um, we have to basically balance between, um, what we have monetarily to purchase Bibles and the number of runners going. Um, so there's always more runners in other countries willing to purchase Bibles and deliver these, 
And I will note that they do this all free of charge. They do this as their ministry as well. So um, when they go and purchase Bibles, it's at no monetary gain to them. So there's always a balance between the two. And at this point, um, we always have more people willing to go than we actually do have Bibles. That's a good problem to have, <laughs> you know, good and bad at the same time. Um, yeah, I wish, I wish it was absolutely the other way. I wish yeah. I was just, you know, looking for more runners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of what the Bible says. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Oh, yeah. That's the verse that is one of our key verses that yeah, we talk about all Luke the time. 10. Yeah, pray to the Lord of the harvest because mm. you know, look at it. It's yeah. it's here. Yep. Yep. So what are some future goals for Project Bible Runners or just personally for you guys' uh lives? How do you wish to grow in that? As far as Project Bible Runners, um it's just amazing what God has done. We never expected this and it's just a matter of whatever we have to do to get Bibles in the hands of believers. So we started out going ourselves every month. That has slowed down, um, and now that has turned into going probably every quarter. Uh, even now, things are starting to open up, so we can go every three months. That has turned into a uh, Paul-Timothy relationship, so we can come alongside these runners it being new and teach them how to run, You know, teach them how to crowd control, gather information. And then the second stage started in, in the COVID pandemic was just sending. So we're sending runners out every month. We send between, you know, nine and 15 runners every month in these countries. And they are running anywhere from 100 to 500 Bibles each. So on average, we're running about 1,400 Bibles every month in these countries. And the third initiative is where we, we um, caught all you guys on is um, collecting Bibles. So we have a group called Love Packages that ships all over the world, and they're willing to ship us a container full of Bibles. And we hope that takes off to the point that we're shipping multiple containers in multiple countries every year. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what's going now. But my absolute goal, and I took some time to think about this, would be that I would love to make a budget, because again, I'm a numbers guy, that <laughs> my Bibles given outweigh my runner running. <laughs> and and yeah. I didn't have to tell anybody no right because right now it's really hard that um we've got to tell some runners um every month like i'm sorry we just don't have the funds for you to run this month you know and that's really hard because it's it's their mission it's become their life and so for them to have to sit out a month is really difficult to do um they don't gain from it financially but we do you know support them in um we pay for their travel expenses and, right. and etc but it it is something that they identify as now because they are known as Bible runners and they get calls every day to deliver Bibles. So they have the same burden that we do of getting Bibles and equipping um, fellow brothers and sisters with their sword, with their Bible. Um, and so it would be really good to be able to send them every month. I think it's cool that you guys have been like, Originally, like you guys were more on the ground and like running Bibles and you could get a lot out, but it's cool to yeah. see you be able to take off the reins of like physically being able to run the Bibles and then mm -hmm. give that away and be able to reach so many more people. It's like discipleship. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it absolutely is. And that's, I mean, that's what it all started with was a discipleship class in Uganda that taught us how to do this. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> but it's relinquishing control, which is hard. Yes. It's, yes. it's very difficult to, to not 
have your hands in it at all times and just be like, okay, I feel that the Holy Spirit is telling us that this is the runner that needs to go this month and not be picking and choosing what I feel the Bibles need to go that month. And relaying that and teaching that to our runners as well, because a lot of new runners come in and they want to, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's and they want to perform well um, because they want to continue to do this. And when we go and meet with them or just relay this to them, that the Holy Spirit is in control. Um, You need to get away from a program long enough to be able to listen to what it says. Mm. And uh, case in point, I was in um, Kenya of May this year, and we had a runner there um, that really just felt on his heart to give a Bible to this, um, this random woman that was asking for a Bible, even though we had a program and every Bible was counted for. Um, and he really felt strongly he needed to give that Bible to her. I said, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So one of the other goals, too, is to maybe be able to be um, to the point, and we're really praying about, about this whole thing is to be able to be the point to to where Owen doesn't have to work and be away from the home for, you know, a solid week to go and do construction or paint that maybe we could be supported in a little bit in the work because it is, it's a full-time job for me and it's a full-time job for him. And so it does take away from our family an awful lot, the bigger and um, more things that we're able to do like the Bible drive and things like that. We can include our family in a lot of it, but it would be nice to, um, at some point, be big enough to where money that we may take from it does not affect the the amount of Bibles going out. Yeah, that's that's our prayer because um, when you're looking at a Bible costing between seven and eight dollars, um, every seven or eight dollars counts mm-hmm. so much um, that we want to be good stewards of what this is. But we can quickly see um, the more time and effort we put mm-hmm. into this. Because our job at this point is to inform others because you have brothers and sisters in Africa. You have brothers and sisters in Pakistan, India, Philippines. You have brothers and sisters all over the world that we have not even met yet that need a Bible. And it's very simple. It's a very simple transaction. It's a very simple process. And you could literally do it today by yourself if you were called and you trust God to do it. Um, so we do not want to take away anything from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see God calling us to it full time. One more question about Project Bible Runners, and then we'll kind of move into the uh, closing up segment of the podcast. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you had to run away or, you know, like you're <laughs> in a situation where, all right, this is a little dangerous or it may was or maybe it was really dangerous and you had to get out. Was there anything like that that you have been in uh, yet? Uh-huh. I haven't been in a situation where I feel like I'm persecuted in any way. Our runners have been in those situations. There was a situation when I was in um, very rural Kenya in um, the Pokot area where um, in the Bible, it does talk about where Jesus feels pressed on all sides. And I, when you are distributing Bibles, you have to be very aware because people are so hungry for them and not that they're, mean or it's an angry mob, but it becomes a 
um, very overwhelming situation very, very quickly. And so I was standing with my back to a pickup truck and we had the Bibles in the back of the truck. And I literally kept like getting pushed on and I lost my shoes because people were just sister, I need a Bible, sister, I need a Bible, sister, I need a Bible. And they were literally pushing on all sides to where I just had to hop on the back of the truck and we had to drive away and, and, leave this, the area because the need was so overwhelming and we couldn't, we couldn't do any crowd control. Um, so for me, that was probably the, not the scare. It wasn't necessarily scary, but it was overwhelming because the need is so great. And, um, you know, everybody really just wanted a Bible and they didn't want to be left out. So the desperation is, is yes, absolutely. It's yes. insane. Yeah. So our hearts always start pounding at every checkpoint. So in most countries, you have checkpoints all along the way. And there's a lot of corrupt officers and politicians um, that really just want money. So they'll get you out of the car and shake you down for money. And, um, you know, we always tell them, you know, we're, we're, we're traveling. Uh, we use the term missionary because they understand that. Um, and all we have is Bibles. And uh, many times, when they see the Bibles, it almost scares them uh, or convicts them of what they're trying to do. And wow. they, for the most part, leave us alone. Mm-hmm. So we've been very gracious. I myself get into a little bit more hairier situations because I love being off grid and in the bush and way out where people can't get to other villagers. So, you know, we've had contacts with hippos and things like that that really get you nervous. <laughs> Did you try feeding the hippo a watermelon? <laughs> Absolutely not. The hippo was Dang looking it. at me like I was the watermelon. Oh. <laughs> he was almost fed. Yeah. But our runners, um, especially in Nigeria and Cameroon, are the most dangerous areas that we're in. Um, Nigeria, everybody's heard about. Cameroon's been warring since 2017. So there's very big challenges for them. And, mm-hmm. and God completely paves the way. Um, I mean, we've got stories about our guy in Nigeria being flanked on the left and the right by the Navy. So they came in and protected him. Mm-hmm. You know, people come in and buy him airfare so he could travel over what they call the killing areas. It's it's unbelievable the things that they go through. But yet the mouth, the word spreads, especially in, in the face of persecution, it spreads mm-hmm. even more. Right. Yeah. So we said one more question. We lied. We have actually one more question before we uh, wrap things up here. But how can we help you uh, as a fa- as like families individually, but also as a church? Uh, the first thing we ask everybody to do is pray. Yeah. I mean, and you could go in order from Luke 10 and just go down the line. But God says, pray to the Lord of harvest that he'll send laborers. Mm-hmm. And, and a laborer doesn't have to be the person going themselves, they could also be the whole network of people behind them supporting. So, I mean, you need to pray to God and see what he'll have you do. If this is a mission that God wants you to support. He'll make it plain to you. So, I mean, as far as the Bible drive, we need actual Bibles and we're going to continue that. So that's not going to be something that stops just in October. We're hoping that container goes out this year and we get another container going. So Bibles, um, we run every month through people that come alongside of us through monetary gifts. Um, and at, like we said, every dollar goes to a Bible. Um, so we try to budget in the 1400 Bible range, which again, the Bibles cost around, you know, seven to $8. Um, 
And then the last thing is tell somebody else. This yeah. is something that needs to spread that we need to feel this need um, in the kingdom because with this, the people that are receiving Bibles mm-hmm. are actual Christians. They are soldiers that have been Christians for a long time and w- equipping them with the word just makes them even better at what they do. And we're seeing hundreds of souls coming at a result of those soldiers having the sword. Yeah, I would like to add that um, per Bible, we've been told by our runners that over time, uh, we originally thought it was per one Bible given would be 10 new salvations. Um, But the runners are telling us that it is more like one Bible given equals 20 new salvations. So it is so important that we equip our brothers and sisters with the word of God. And so it's just creating awareness that this is an actual need, that here in America, Bibles are not of value and that we oftentimes have a lot of them sitting on the shelves, but it is the most important gift that we can give. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just talking about that and there's like, I mean, we're literally giving them a weapon, a weapon of warfare or no spiritual warfare, but like, yes, Absolutely. Like they can we fight with this. With their sword. Right. Mm-hmm. We're equipping them with their sword. Because, I mean, this this is the breakdown is, you know, and it says in Ephesians 4.11, you know, God gave them apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, teachers and preachers or, or shepherds, however you want to convert that. They're there. They're already there. The church is there. So we're just equipping them even more with the word of God. So each one of them can be accounted by that word, and then they can teach others that word. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the most important thing that we can do is share the word of God. There's six scriptures uh, throughout the Bibles that tell us who teaches his people, and all of them are the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost in those those six, each one. Mm-hmm. So if we equip them with that, he is going to teach them through the Holy Spirit how to read his Bible and how to use his Bible as a sword. Mm-hmm. So to close out, we like to end with a little section called random questions that probably aren't so (laughs) random because we already planned them. Is that the same thing? I'm not sure. But okay. What is your favorite way a potato is made? French fry for sure. Yep. Do you like a special seasoning or sauce with them or toppings? Well, I've been making these homemade French fries that the kids love. And it's Italian seasoning and like a seasoned salt. But then you have to dip them in mayo and barbecue sauce. Oh, okay. <laughs> or ranch dressing is good too. Yes. He's a dipper. So if you only if you only had one dipping sauce for the rest of your life, what would it be? <gasps> you cannot limit only my dip- one. <laughs> you cannot limit my dipping sauce. Wow. That is the quote well, of the day. Owen, the non-dipper, I get two, and he can have zero. That's so fair. I would. I would choose for sure ranch <laughs> and maybe barbecue sauce because you would like barbecue sauce occasionally. What con- yeah. what kind of barbecue sauce? Sweet baby rays. Yeah. Sweet baby rays. Oh, yes. We have a, a a family here and they smoke meats professionally and they make their Ooh. kind of own combination of barbecue sauces and it oh, is so delicious. Okay. We're gonna have to come and visit. Yes, you will. To- Absolutely. <laughs> what is your favorite smell? Mm. I like 
grass. Like the cutting of grass is a good smell. Yes. Yeah, mine's odd. It's skunk. Oh, what? <laughs> there needs to be the- an elaboration. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's the and when it's potent, like when you just go past one that's too strong. But when it's coming up, it kind of smells good. I don't no, know. Is it not. is it kind of like you know somehow related to people smelling gas? You know, some people like the smell of gasoline or sharpies or sharpies. I like the smell of gasoline. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I just skunk. Is, skunk. No, oh, <laughs> I've <laughs> never. You're the only one that would ever say that. Okay, second would be the, the smoke from a fire. That is, okay. yes, fair. fair. That's that's fair. fair. Do you like it on your clothes, like after you've been out in no. it and you come inside? Ooh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No. no. <laughs> so we have a yes and a, and a hard no. <laughs> uh, what sounds fun to you? Oh, camping. <laughs> I would really just like to... Uh, read a book by a camp by like a fireplace fire, not a campfire with no other distractions. That sounds fun to me at this point in my motherhood journey. (laughs) Outside of the Bible, what has been the most impactful book you have read? Ooh, um, goodness gracious. Most impactful or most memorable or just your favorite book. Okay, well, I remember reading Gone with the Wind when I was younger, and I loved that book. Um, but Isn't that like I, a thousand pages? It is, and I read it in three days. Good oh night. Goodness. What the? Yeah. That is quite um, a pace. Yes, I loved that book. But otherwise, I really enjoy doing Bible studies by Beth Moore, which I know you said the Bible, but I really enjoy um, digging into the Word through those Bible studies. But otherwise, you. Owen is a non-reader. Yeah, I'm a technical reader, so if I need to know information, I look it up. (laughs) What's a talent you wish you had? Oh, my goodness. The piano. Really? Yes, agreed. Um, A talent I wish I had, um, could it be biting my tongue? (laughs) I kind of tend to speak my mind, and not everybody needs to know what I, I time <laughs> jordan and i were definitely thinking that you would just like i want to learn how to like like physically bite your tongue <laughs> <laughs> no. so i'm glad you elaborated on that one that'll work that'll work too <laughs> <laughs> like that is a weird talent yeah oh, yeah sorry that's what first came into my mind you said randomness so no, that, that was a great answer yes yes <laughs> Well, Jess and Owen, thank you so much for meeting with us today and just talking about your heart and the practicality of the the mission that you have. And uh, we just love hearing the story behind it. And it gives our people actually a little bit more of a personal connection, especially knowing that you go to one of our sister churches and Mm -hmm. uh, you're part of Parkland Chapel family, too. So, you know, it's great to have you guys down and just meet you guys. And then also, you know, I mean, I think we're looking to support you guys and we'll be in contact with you guys, I think, within this next coming year, just financially as a church. So it's going to be it's awesome. And it's so cool to hear that you have 90,000 requests for Bibles. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, this church, this church. But it's like relationally. like. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Yeah. Actually, just a side note. Whenever you guys always say runners, like I imagine Forrest Gump with all these like Bibles and he's just <laughs> <laughs> running across the country. That's what I always imagine when I when I hear you guys have runners. New design logo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we put like uh, tribal Africans with spears running after them? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great oh that's awesome so thank you so much for having us we yeah, are just so excited fun. to have you guys um come alongside us and to um to know that there are other people who are willing to equip brothers and sisters with their swords is is truly um amazing and we are incredibly grateful yes well Owen and Jess, we will talk to you guys later, and we'll definitely be praying for all you guys and all that you do. So, again, thank you very much, guys. Enjoyed having you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. See ya. See ya. Bye. That was a good... Are we done? Yeah, we said bye. Oh, gosh. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll actually say bye. Okay, well, yes. <laughs> I think you guys have like time thing, right? Uh, all right. Yep. yep. All right. See, see you. See you. Thank you. <laughs> Could you not hang up the phone? Well, I didn't know they were expecting to like. They're like, oh yeah, let's just talk a little bit more afterwards. They're like, oh, so. like there are people to be like, oh, we'll end it and then talk. <laughs>